Welcome to the 3D Disciples Podcast, where we're working together to develop disciples who display God's love as we deploy into God's world. I'm your host, Hannah, and with me today, as always, is the pastor of FBC Clarion, Jason Hunter. Let's hit the trail running. What is the church's role in discipleship? We just had a sermon on it, so we're going to be talking about that today in the podcast. There's something you mentioned at your sermon which says, um, following Jesus' ascension to heaven, the word disciple essentially disappears from scripture onward. So the disciples were Jesus' 12 chosen ones. Are we also chosen now? Yes. (laughs) (laughs) You stumbled there. (laughs) Well, that that opens a huge theological door. Uh Uh-oh. And I'll try to... My bad. I'll try to... (laughs) dance around that some. Okay. Um, but yeah, I mean, we're called by God. Um, and one of the things we, we even started talking about is that calling, you know, Jesus calls his first disciples. He walking on the shore, called to them, come follow me. I'll make you fishers of men. Mm-hmm. Um, the Bible makes it pretty clear that, that, uh, we're called that, uh, that the spirit of God draws us, helps us to respond to that. We sense this internal calling. And so we are called to the church okay. uh, to be part of this. Um, actually, the word church means called out assembly. Uh, one of the base ideas of what the, the Greek word for church means is, mm-hmm. is a called out group. Okay. Um, and so, yeah, so we are chosen. We're called. Uh, a lot of people articulate that in various different ways. That's where the theology comes into that psalm. <laughs> but I think it's, it's clear that, you know, that God calls us. He calls us. Okay. And then in a recent sermon, you also stated that the mission and or role of a church is bigger than your own salvation. Jesus didn't save us just to save us. Right. And that honestly like turned on a light bulb for me. So could you help the listeners understand what that statement means? Yeah. Um, well, I think we, we have to accept something um, that that again, we, we keep talking about the context in which, we, which we're talking about, our context, which is uh, Western, particularly United States of America. One of the things that, that we as U.S. citizens value is our individualism. Mm. It's a tenet of America. You are an individual. You have your individual rights. No one should infringe upon your individuality. <clears throat> you know, and and you know, nobody's going to tell me what to do because I am an individual. Right. Um, that bleeds over into the church, and has bled over into the American church. Mm-hmm. In that, uh, and and there is an element of individualism within the gospel, within the story of God. That yes, we are called. Uh, you know, God calls us individually, calls us each. We must answer individually, you know, whether I'm going to have faith or not, whether I'm going to proclaim Christ as my Savior. And we will stand before God individually mm-hmm. to give an account for our lives at the judgment seat. But there's a very strong corporate part of our life, too. And so what we have to understand and what we've wrongly done is we've just made it about you getting saved and you getting saved and you getting saved and you getting saved and that the plan for our salvation is much bigger than my own personal salvation it's about how i advance the kingdom how Mm -hmm. i put god on display it's about 
a role or a position I'm called to in the body, mm-hmm. right? And so it's really about the body, you know, and not just about if I'm a fingernail of the body, it's not just about the fingernail, right? Mm-hmm. It's that's my role, I'm a fingernail, but it's really about the body. Okay. And so our salvation isn't just to get me to heaven and once once I get my salvation, once I get my my, you know, my ticket to heaven, okay, I'm done. Yeah. No, it's much much bigger than that. And so he calls us and invites us to be part of his body, part of his kingdom. Uh, You know, that's, uh, I think I said this, uh, when he calls uh, Peter on the shore, you're like, come follow me, I'll make you fishers of men. Mm -hmm. See, the the intent was not come follow me and I'll make sure you get to heaven. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It was was a different purpose in the the following. And so, yeah, so it is a much bigger um, I was telling somebody this week um, that when people think about church, uh, they kind of come to church and like, what's this going to do for me? Here's a need I have. Here's, you know, here's I, I like this program. And that's how we generally evaluate church. And what we're doing is we're thinking about how does that place, this organization, the church or whatever, how you want to say that, how does that benefit me as an individual? Mm -hmm. And what I was trying to say, I said, you need to understand that we need you more than you need us because uh, your relationship makes my life better. You you being here and what you bring, just knowing you and caring about you and you caring about me enriches my life. And it's really much more about we need you here, not so you can get what we have to offer you, but so that we can benefit from you being what you have here. to offer here. Yeah. 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 Okay. Um, you also brought a little biology into your latest sermon about the church's role in discipleship. <laughs> in essence, you discussed that like healthy sheep produce healthy lambs <laughs> and that sickly sheep produce less sheep or just less strong sheep. So our aim spiritually, not necessarily biologically, is to be like a healthy body. And in that way, when we, disip- um, when we disciple to create stronger sheep and perhaps more sheep, lots of sheeps, <laughs> sorry. So maybe some listeners are familiar with this body idea, but like, what's, what is that about? Like some, not everyone's familiar with the word like body. We, we heavily use that term. So. Yeah. So yeah. So the body's made up of all the different parts. Each part has its function within the body, um, that uh, they all contribute to the overall health of the body. And it actually, the verse we were talking about from Ephesians 4 says, when every joint supplies what it brings, it builds up to the growth or the health of the body. Mm -hmm. And so I I was actually thinking about asking this question to somebody recently uh, to understand this. So tell me, what's the most important system in your body? What's the most important organ in your body? All of it. And we have these guttural, yeah, oh, my heart. Yeah. You know, okay, well, the heart's important. Yeah. um, But you realize without kidneys, you will survive like 10 days or less. You know, so the kidneys, and when the kidneys shut down, the whole body shuts down. You only have one liver. <laughs> it's, yeah. it's it's important, you know. You only have one skeleton, you know. It's a, and so it, it's this interplaying, and there there really isn't a most important part. Any one of those parts missing, the body fails. Yeah. And uh, and what part of what we were talking about and what we need to see is uh, in our culture, 
uh, within, again, the American church and maybe somewhere uh, even just within the church, even worldwide, is there's been this giant focus on the pastor, the teacher, you know, these positions. And like, this is the most important part. Mm -hmm. But that's not what that scripture in Ephesians 4 is teaching us. It's like, the yes, the pastors and the teachers, they have roles and they're supposed to do certain things. Mainly to equip the saints yeah. for all their parts, yeah. and and um, and so really this whole idea of working together, uh, the idea behind cords, these groups that we want people to form is you know this we all need to contribute to this, yeah. and it's not you know my position or the elders' position or the Sunday school teachers, but that there's just really. The, the person sitting in the pew, the person doing whatever ministry it is. Uh, I, I actually have someone right now tonight who's um, there was a, a member of our church who was unable to drive, who was uncomfortable driving in Pittsburgh. Mm-hmm. Right. They had a relative who is in critical condition, critical condition in Pittsburgh, mm-hmm. and they needed a way to get from Clary into Pittsburgh. Yeah. And we have two members who showed up at their door, putting them in the car, and getting them there. Sweet. That's the most important ministry going on in our church right now. Yeah. You know, and I'm not the one doing it. Yeah. (laughs) I I actually have a quote from you in my manual from our sermon saying, if you are waiting on me, a.k.a. the pastor, to bring Jesus to everyone in your circle, I won't be able to do it all. No. No. And that, that wasn't the design of the church. Yeah. That wasn't how God built what we call the church and what he intended the church to do and mm-hmm. be. That's not the church's role. And that's not the, the, the pastor isn't the only role in discipleship. It is a church wide function right. to make disciples, to develop disciples, to display disciples and to deploy disciples. That's mm-hmm. a church wide function. Yeah. And everybody needs to contribute to and be part of that whole movement. Yeah. And, uh, and so otherwise, you know, you have one great big, you know, there's a, there's a, there's a guy on TikTok I see every once in a while and he's done one exercise his entire life and it's curls. He's curled barbells. I wonder what he looks like. He's got gigantic <laughs> arms, right? Yeah. Cause mm-hmm. that's all he works on. Mm-hmm. His waist is probably 25 inches around. His legs are skinny and scrawny and it just looks like. That's weird because <laughs> you've developed one part of your body yeah. to this grotesque enormousness mm-hmm. and you've, you've forgotten about the rest of you. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah. and so, so you want to get back cause you don't want to be that giant bicep. You want to be a regular size bicep <laughs> and let everybody be a little quad here and there. Yeah. I we want to, we want a well-developed yeah. body across yeah. the board. Yeah. And that's going back to the sheep yeah. where, I mean, you, you're a healthy flock. You develop a more healthy flock, mm-hmm. and everybody grows together. All right. So um, this might be a little tougher. Uh, I know some individuals who have stepped back from joining the church because their interactions with other members have been, like, unpleasant for one reason or another. And truthfully, just, like, working under one roof as a family can be hard. Um, so how can we inter- encourage each other to keep striving and growing together, even though we've kind of maybe been hurt by each other or maybe even held back by each other? So that's a great reality of church, right? Woo. Yeah. You know, that 
we're perfect and we all love each other and never is a cross word or a, a messed up personality or personal conflicts ever occur. Mm-hmm. Uh, it takes you, if you are a part of a church, it takes you about three and a half weeks and you find out, oh, that's not so. <laughs> um, but I think it's a, I think it's a, a paradigm shift that needs to happen. Okay. I think it's, it's a change of mindset. Um, I, I've used this example before, I think, is the Bible tells us very carefully about a lot of things, interpersonal reaction, interpersonal relationships and, and interactions and reactions is part of that. Love your enemies, care for those who persecute you, be self-denying, be a forgiver. You know, all of these, these commands and following Christ are, are very much in this relationship. Um, we have this expectation that we're all just going to be, you know, holding hands and singing Kumbaya all the time. Mm-hmm. But what I think really helps in that is we know these commands. We know what we're supposed to do. The church is where we practice those things. It's the workout room. It's the practice mm-hmm. field. Mm-hmm. And so it's good that we have people who challenge us. We, it's good that we have people who offend us. It's good that we have people whose personality conflicts with ours. And, yeah. and because we can learn to do the things, Jesus, we can learn to be a forgiver. Yeah. If somebody doesn't hurt your feelings, you're never going to practice forgiveness. If someone doesn't try to get their way, you're never going to learn to be self-denying. Mm-hmm. You're, you know, if someone doesn't really rub you the wrong way, you're not going to learn how to love your enemy. Yeah. You know. And so what I think happens is that God calls all these diverse people with with different personalities and and at different stages of their own maturity. Some people are stronger, some people are struggling. People we we have this mix. Yeah. And we can come into this place, we can learn what our master teaches us, and then we get to be challenged to practice it. And if we can learn to practice it here, mm-hmm. then we can go out into the world and perform it better. Yeah, because it's going to be more challenging out there. Right. Because, I, I mean, I've never thought about it that way, but as you're talking, I'm imagining, okay, I'm just not going to continue to go to this place because it. I disagree with people here. I'm going to go somewhere else out in the world where I won't. It's like, well, you're definitely going to find someone out in the world that will disagree with you. As so, well. so you're an athlete, yeah. um, you know, and I, so my husband doesn't call me one. <laughs> well, I, I know that I know the facts, <laughs> you know, and so you had your practice field and yeah. you practiced with your teammates. Right. And like, I know softball was one of your things. And so your pitcher threw you her best pitches. Right. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> right. And, and challenged you on the yeah. practice field. So when you went to the real game, mm-hmm. <laughs> you could perform better. Okay. And so I kind of think sometimes we need to approach our relationships and the people who, who, who because the world knows what we claim Jesus teaches us to yeah. love those who offend us, to care for, to be, you know, care for Samaritans. The world knows what we teach. Um, and so we need to really do good out there. Yeah. In here where we should be forgiving and all that kind of stuff, this is where we can practice those things. Yeah. And, and and those challenges of, of other people is part of where we learn to do the exact thing, take up our cross mm-hmm. and continue to follow, even though people are judgmental, even though people are critical, even though people are, you know, whatever it is yeah. that, that, that challenges us. But learning how to face that here yeah. is, is preparing you for taking it into the world. I said that one church sign I saw about how church is more of a hospital than a 
get together. Yeah, we're, so, we're working on each other yeah, here. It, so yeah, so is yeah. the church a hospital mm-hmm. where all the sick people come, mm-hmm. or it's a country club oh. where everybody gets to come and hang out and play golf? Yeah, yeah. Okay, so we're a hospital. <laughs> all right, um, back to the Ephesians four uh, in fourteen. As a result, we are no longer to be children tossed here and there by waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by trickery of men, by craftiness and deceitful scheming. So how nice would it be if we would have had Jesus standing beside us and telling us like, oh, he's tricking you and he's not. Um, but you know, maybe we're not being tricked anymore. That was 2,000 years ago when Paul wrote that letter, right? Mm. <laughs> I, think are, are we, we I think we know better than that. <laughs> are, we, are we safe from deceitful scheming? Absolutely not. Okay, how do we get safe or not? be in a position where we can be safer from scheming. Yeah, well, maturity. I mean, that's that's really what it comes down to and as we grow in our discipleship, as we develop discipleship, as we develop um especially a keen sense awareness of the spirit, um we I think in our we did a Q&R recently and we were talking about false gospels and mm-hmm. false teachers and all that kind of stuff. Um, and one of the things I didn't mention at that time was this idea that sometimes you may not be able to identify something like this thing that this person said was heretical or wrong or, or, or a false gospel or a false Jesus or a false scripture. But you may sense something like there's just something that doesn't sit right with me. That's the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so as we mature and we learn how to hear him, sense him, we we gain more knowledge. It helps us to be better protected from those deceptions that are out there. Mm. And I'm afraid that deceptions are running rampant um, under the name of Christianity, under the name of Jesus, under the name of the Bible. There's a lot of deception. Uh, It seems to be increasing. Um, And I think the Bible actually talks about one of the warnings it talks about as we grow towards the return of Christ, that there will be more and more and more. And so this maturing and developing ourselves is really crucial to not being um, deceived, mm-hmm. you know. And another thing you mentioned in the sermon, though, was like being in a body is like a form of security. Like yes. going back to biology, I mean, like watch um, like some wildlife shows where, you know, there's like a jaguar or a cheetah going after um, like a, some bison or a smaller animal, a moose. And but but as they're um, a big group can fight off that one very strong predator jaguar because they're together and they're protecting especially their little ones, and so that's kind of what we want the church to be right a place where I mean we stand together and be like a louder voice as well against these trickery yeah. and lies. Yeah, and um, and that's why that's one of the arguments I would have even for denomination. Not that I'm a big denomination believer, mm-hmm. but. But a lot of our denominations, especially ours, um, is built on history, and so not. And so, although our church is autonomous within the SBC, uh, we have other churches who are all watching doctrine, mm-hmm. and so we have this collective protection yeah. that, like, helps define. Yes, this is this is good doctrine. This is good sound teaching, and that's out of bounds. And and a lot of times you'll see those those false teachings and false prophets. They're very individualistic. They're not. There's not a. They're a doing their own them. thing, or they started their own thing. They're kind of branching out on their own, and there's not a bigger 
collective behind them. Yeah. To, to kind of like make sure this lines up with the real teaching of the scriptures. Okay. And that's the mission of the church. That brings us to the end of another episode of the 3D Disciple Podcast. Well done. You've taken another step into becoming an intentional disciple of Jesus, and that is no small feat. Don't forget, we really do want your questions. You can text us at 814-334-8426. We ask you to consider following the podcast. That way you can be notified every time a new episode drops. We invite you also to come and worship with us at 1030 a.m. on Sundays. You can join us at our Main Street campus, which is in downtown Clarion, located between the Dunkin' Donuts and McDonald's. Or you can find our online campus on all the platforms like YouTube or Facebook by just typing in FBC Clarion. You can find everything else you need at FBCClarion.com. All the links are found in the description below. I want to take just a moment to thank Hannah, our host today, as well as Brianna, our director producer behind the scenes. We'll see you next time as we take another step into following Jesus.